Hey, it's Zoe and welcome to this episode of Motherkind. This is your place on a Monday for calm connection and maybe even a shift in perspective before the crazy week ahead. This moment is from a brilliant episode that I recorded with Patty Whipfler, who is the founder of Hand in Hand Parenting. She's really been leading the way in what we might call conscious parenting for over 30 years. And hopefully you can hear her authority and her wisdom and her experience in her words. I know I could. I think this clip is going to totally reframe how you think this week about your child or children crying and also how we feel about ourselves crying. Patty really made me think that crying is such a release. It is so healing. And actually there's this incredible, incredible thing that tears have cortisol, the stress hormone in. So when we are crying, we are literally releasing stress from our body. So here is the moment. I hope you really enjoy it. And I hope it helps you reframe the next time you or your child has a good cry this week. Here it is. Tell us about stay listening and what that means in a parent's toolkit. Well, stay listening, we consider to be a tool that you use with your children, although you can think of yourself as using it with a listening partner every time you listen. But with children in particular, it means staying when what you've been taught in the culture is to tell them to go in their bedroom and come out when they are not crying anymore because you don't want them to cry. And besides, it's insulting or they're just trying to get what they want or They're just trying to bribe you into giving them what they've asked for and that they're crying about. So there's all these judgments on crying, but crying is an inborn process of unloading the hurt that goes in when you felt threatened or disconnected from other people. You felt like you've been too alone. You felt like you haven't had enough support. And children need a tremendous amount of support. So these kinds of hurts land on them every day. You know, if you don't come in when they've woken up and are calling for you, if you don't come in right away, they could just begin crying right there for the lack of connection. Children need connection like they need air to breathe and like they need water to drink and sleep every night. It's like the brain doesn't work without there being a foundation of connection and that connection has to be current and present when a child is crying what we invite parents to try doing is to stay with them and listen when you otherwise feel like oh my god what a brat you know (laughs) there she is crying for you know a third cookie again how long do we have to go through this i've already told her no but she's crying anyway So that's how we feel inside when children cry, but it's really trying to give parents a different perspective that your child is now trying to heal from the disappointment of your having said no or having said it's time to do your homework and not allowing them to distract themselves and go off. So you stay, but you stay with respect and with warmth So you infuse your listening with respect and warmth and time and you allow the child to keep crying until they don't feel like crying anymore, if you can. If you can't, you listen for as long as you can and then you say, I'm sorry, I can't listen anymore. 
which doesn't help the situation. Usually that makes them cry harder, but we'll just leave that unresolved right there. But if you can listen all the way through, children are able to think when they're finished crying and they're able to behave quite differently. I'm thinking about a two-year-old who was at a play event that I did. All the adults at the play event were adults she already knew, and the children at the play event were all children she already knew, and her mom was there, but she was sitting in her mom's lap and would not even turn around to look at the children who were on the play equipment in the park that we went to. She wouldn't even look, and I went over and said, hi. And she looked at me and she burst into tears. And she's two years old and her mommy's lap and her mom's holding her. And she wanted me to go away. And I just said to her mom, can I stay? And the mom had been learning these things. So she wasn't unfamiliar with staying listening. And she said yes. And so the longer I listened along with her mom and gave her eye contact, she wasn't looking at me, but the eye contact was there. She knew. She just started crying harder and harder and sweating and struggling and writhing. And then she began coughing and coughing and coughing, just coughing, big paroxysms of coughing and crying in between and then going back to coughing and then crying. And after about a half an hour, she finally got quiet and looked around and we played a little bit and she could smile and then she could kind of get up and look around. And I turned her mom and her around so they could see what the other children were doing. And she had not spent a moment in the whole hour that she'd been there outside of her mom's lap. And she got up and she just hopped across the park, just, you know, walk, 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 hop, walk, 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 hop, walk, 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 hop. Like, oh, I'm 10 pounds lighter was kind of what it looked like. And then she went over and got onto a swing and played and, went with the other children and she didn't even look back. She just was totally freed of something, whatever it was, you know, night and day difference in her behavior. And I just was curious. So I asked her mom, you know, has she ever had some kind of a really bad kind of respiratory illness or what was her birth like? And her mom said, oh, she was born with a cord wrapped around her neck twice. And I just thought all of that coughing you never know. We don't, we don't have mind meld. But all of that coughing that came up was a sign that she was working on just the trauma of her birth and being strangled while she was trying to go through the birth canal. We don't know, but it was the mom's guess, too, that there was some connection there. So sometimes children go back and work at the very hardest and earliest things when you listen really well and they have the full support they need. The fact that her mom was there and holding her was just exactly right. And the fact that there was someone else adding attention made it an even deeper healing process. Children can tell when you're afraid. It's like it happens all the time that when someone has a baby and, you know, it's someone I know and I come up and I look at the baby and, I, you know, and they say, oh, do you want to hold her? I say, sure. You know, the baby comes into my lap and within five minutes, you know, the baby and I are looking at each other and the baby begins crying. It's like they can tell that I'm really relaxed and somehow they can sense the space that I can hold and they go for it. You know, 
because most people don't let babies cry. So we just go ahead and start using this healing process right away. So interesting. It's such a powerful reframe, isn't it? Because I think so many parents think, you know, I have this child that cries all the time or they don't cry when they're with other people and they just cry with me. And I think the kind of common lexicon is, you know, that then parents tend to think there's something wrong with me. Whereas what you're describing so beautifully is there's something right with you that your child feels really safe to explore those feelings. This is how I discovered and started to really love hand in hand because I have quite a challenging six-year-old, what I find challenging. And she cries a lot. She cries a lot. Tantrum still. And she's six, nearly six. And it just really helped me. It really helped me to be like Moza. Like the reason that she feels safe, she feels safe enough to let all these feelings out. There's nothing wrong with her. There's nothing wrong with you. And it's just so reassuring. The other thing I can tell you is that children who do have permission to cry as much as your child does, for instance, in their early childhood, they work through issues that would otherwise have tightened their minds and tightened their hearts. And they learn things that other people can take 50 years to try to learn. In general, we found that the children who have been listened to become leaders, although they are still doing a lot of crying compared to normal children who have to stuff their feelings. They still have more feelings all the way through, but they become the child in their class that has friends in all these different groups. They become kind of the emotional center of the class. They speak out and the things they say are wise and smart. Their friendships cross ethnic lines and social class lines easily. They have just a really good feel for other people. Because of the attention that you've poured in, they know how to pay attention to other people. They're able to assume that people are trying their hardest more of the time than other children are because that assumption has been made of them. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon. <laughs> 